Discussing world-changing ideas through real conversations. Exploring the potential of technology to solve the most critical challenges facing business, people and the planet. Coming up... We talk about this handprint and footprint. Digitalization can help uh, other industries and society individuals to be more resource efficient. But then, of course, we need to look at the footprint. How can how do we minimize all of this making and using telecommunications, ICT? And we always had this thinking that we need to look at the whole value chain. So you can't really just set boundaries around your own factory or around your own uh, office, but really look at the whole value chain. This is the Real Conversations podcast by Nokia. Here is Michael Hainsworth. Technology has a place in saving the planet. Much like the circular nature of a natural ecosystem, our industrial and enterprise ecosystems need to look at environmental, social and governance issues with a 360-degree digital view. Pia Tanskanen is the head of environment at Nokia's ESG division and tells me it's important to cooperate with suppliers to ensure we're meeting our ESG goals. We began our conversation by talking about her 20-year evolution from engineer to environmental crusader. Uh, it was actually my second job after graduating from university when I got to work in a project that included like recycling, recycling of our industrial equipment, electronical equipment. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And and uh, I found out that there's something really more purpose of that kind of a project compared to like the ones I did before. So something that was not really uh, the results of the project where really important even 20 years after. I mean, it was really a big purpose uh, and uh, working for not only for one project, but for the, for the bigger purpose. Is there a, a lot more tied between engineering and protecting the environment than one might think at first blush? Definitely there is. So environment is really, it's related to everything what we do. And uh, so looking at uh, all the engineering uh, processes, products that we are designing, manufacturing, using, there's always aspect of environment in all of that. So it's actually really connected. And tell me about that, because we now have a term that I I don't think we used, you know, 20 years ago or, or so uh, when you first got into this world um, called the circular economy. And we're just starting to understand how everything is connected to everything else. Everything is really connected. And that's one of my favorite topics uh, to talk, really think about our uh, things are not working in isolation. Everything is about systemic changes that need to happen. And it's also when we look at environmental impacts, it's not only about materials or energy, it's everything is related to biodiversity, the air, climate change. So this is really important to understand how we're talking about these connected uh, impacts, if you wish. So give me some examples of, of how that works and, and how one thing feeds into another and ultimately your role at Nokia. Right. So one one example could be we are looking at when we are making a brand new technology, let's say in the future 6G products, and we look how can we make those products from the recycled materials. So something, a material that was used somewhere else before the brand new 6G product. So using this recycled, uh, let's say aluminium, uh, big savings on energy usage. That's much uh, more energy efficient to use recycled content than start using uh, virgin materials. There's a positive impact to uh, biodiversity, protecting the biodiversity. We don't need new mines in practice. And then also from the uh, geodiversity, the material availability, we are using something we already have in our society. So really a good example of an 
one practical uh, action, make, making design changes that will have a, a positive impact on different environmental aspects. Yeah, it, it's it's the fact that we we really have only one planet, an increasing population, an increasing need for the production of goods and services. But at the end of the day, it's not just about making a widget. It's about making the world a better place so that we can enjoy living in it. That's exactly how it is. And is it always that we need to have more products or can we actually have access to services? And this is what uh, digitalization can bring. We get access to products and services, what we need at that time. But maybe we can do that in the, in the way that we are using our resources in a more efficient way. Sharing car, for example, very simple example of being able to get from place A, a to place B just using the transportation. You don't really need to have a car, but you need to get from one place to another one. How can next generation networks and that digitalization, as you talk about, protect and restore biodiversity? So when we look at the really the state of the nature and biodiversity topics, it's it's about first thing we need to know is understand the changes that are happening there. And on, on practice, this means like observing, really understanding what happens in a longer time scale. So this is where digitalization and different sensors, artificial intelligence come in the picture. So we need to be able to track uh, changes that we see around us in the nature. And this would be very difficult if we need to do that manually. I mean, sitting somewhere in the forest and just follow what's happening. Instead, we make technology to do the same thing for us. Right. I guess the idea is, is you could send somebody out into the forest to count the number of trees, but if you could digitalize that process, you could catch the fine-tuned changes much more quickly than sending someone out on a, a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. And not only on monthly basis, but really yearly basis. Basis. Then this is because the changes sometimes can be rather slow, and we need to do that in big scale. And the scale is actually something that, with any digitalization, that's the big potential. We can scale up things so fast and so efficiently. Yeah, we have data that takes us back to the first industrial revolution, but it's it's so sketchy by comparison. If we if we just had those Internet of Things widgets back more than a hundred years ago, we would have had a much better sense as to the impact we were having on the planet so much sooner. That's also a very good point. So how can we uh, data, data, data? That's what we always say. Data helps us to improve, and it's. Uh, without data, you can't manage all these business uh, realities that are there. You need to understand the data. You need to be able to track what you do and then uh, in, uh, to be able to react faster. And I've been sometimes talking about if you like to lose weight, it could be a weight of your, for, for your cell phone than for any uh, materials you're using, for example. You're not uh, uh, going on the scale once in a year or once in 10 years. You need to go there every day. And this is the same thing. We need to be able to access the data all the time being able and that, that's how we can react quickly yeah I, I don't know if if you've been peeking into my cell phone or something but I, i've got one of those smart scales and i'm trying to lose some weight and i'm being able to digitalize that experience and graph how i'm doing and then layer that graph on top of other things like well what foods am i eating how often am i going for a walk am i getting up off the the, the chair often enough and so what you're suggesting is that this is the same thing but on a, a planetary scale on a planetary on industrial scale so exactly maybe your next time you try to buy some ice cream your credit card doesn't work because <laughs> your data saying that okay your weight is going up so you can't buy ice cream so it's really the similar things that will happen automatically we are able to track industrial processes 
And uh, like if you have a big uh, process for manufacturing something and all of a sudden something starts to go wrong. So do you want to wait like for two weeks to produce something that is not good and then you just end up getting a lot of waste? Why wouldn't you rather react immediately when you have this information in your hands? And it's it's really about all of this, having data, being able to analyze that really quickly and being able to react, which means that we can uh, use our resources in more efficient manner. So if there's no green without digital, how is Nokia reducing its environmental impact through its own operations? We talk about this handprint and footprint. So first of all, digitalization can help uh, other industries and society individuals to be, uh, be more resource efficient, more green. But then, of course, we need to look at the footprint. How can how do we minimize uh, the really the all of this making and uh, using uh, communication uh, equipment, telecommunications, ICT? And we always had this uh, uh, thinking that we need to look at the whole value chain. So you can't really just set boundaries around your own factory or around your own uh, office, but really look at the whole value chain. What kind of components we buy from our suppliers? How do we design our products? What kind of metals we use? I was talking about the recycled content. And uh, how do we operate in our own offices, laboratories, manufacturing sites, and then how our customers are using our products? How can we even take back obsolete products from our customers when they are modernizing their networks? Even such things as when you think about how the factories work, something like green electricity and, and managing waste in the best possible ways. Do you have any quantitative results from the qualitative work you're doing right now? We do have. So uh, when it comes to electricity usage, we are uh, trying to use renewable electricity everywhere we can. So we have set ourselves a target to use 100% green electricity across Nokia facilities in more than 100 countries. And uh, by 2025, so pretty soon. Today we are somewhere around, uh, last year it was a bit more than 60% and this year a little bit higher, of course. And then the target is to use 100% uh, green electricity by 2025. And with waste, we also have similar uh, targets looking, how can we, first of all, minimize all the waste? That's, of course, the first priority. But then any waste that is created, recycle, reuse, just to avoid landfilling in, in different parts of our value chain. And so I can imagine you're applying a lot of the, the techniques that we've already discussed within your own operations to your point earlier about the importance of tracking things. How are you tracking to ensure that you're seeing improvement in every part of the process? We do really like digitalization, of course. Uh, that's our business. And uh, there we have uh, our own manufacturing sites. We are piloting all kinds of new technologies. And really, uh, most of that is understanding all the different process steps, being able to track that all the time. A colleague of mine is saying that even when he's at his summer cottage, he can just pick up his mobile phone, see how the process is running, how the factory is operating. And this can be then transferred to our supplier factories. We know how, how to set the parameters, what could go wrong, and then be able to follow all of these things all the time. This brings us back to that idea of the circular economy, that not only do you need to do what you can to improve your own processes and reduce waste and reduce the carbon footprint within Nokia, but it only goes so far unless you're bringing the suppliers into that process as well, and they are doing it too. Cooperation, I suppose, is the critical component. That's very critical. So there's really no change probably without collaboration and not only with our suppliers and with our customers, but also between different sectors. 
And this is really that we're needing, we need to really have this systemic change when all the players in different parts of the world, in different sectors, in different parts of the value chain work together and understand each other. Well, help me with that understand each other component. For anyone listening to this conversation who recognizes the importance of uh, reducing their own carbon footprint through their ESG programs and working with their own suppliers as well, what about standardization of processes and standardization of all these different elements to ensure that everybody's speaking the same language? That's so important. And uh, interestingly, every day I have these challenges even with the climate language, where we have uh, pretty uh, good systems already existing. People know about scope one, two, three emissions. Nowadays, everybody understands even the different subcategories under these uh, emission scopes. But then uh, we each time we bring different uh, other acronyms, we bring in different definitions, but not always having the same understanding of boundaries. I recently had a discussion on the term emission factor and found out that actually the other party I was talking to did have a different understanding of that. And I was rather surprised because I was really thinking this is something we all understand and know. But it's, it's, you always need to be actually, it's important um, to ask the question and say, what do you really mean by this? Even though you think the term is well known and uh, everybody using the same one. After this podcast, learn more about this and other insightful topics by going to nokia.com slash thought leadership. There you'll find additional information linked to today's podcast. So we understand the value of ESG programs to the environment, the E of ESG, but what about the economic and social benefits to your work? Economic, that's very important because if we again, want to scale up our changes and make the change permanent one, there needs to be an economic and well, social benefit as well. Economics, uh, most cases, environmental programs really make sense from the business-wise. Because simply using things in more efficiently, being more productive makes this good business sense, since you improve your bottom line. And also with social things. Uh, today, people like to work with the companies who have good ESG practices. You need to ha- be a good corporate citizen, but it's also uh, looking working uh, in a more smart way. You also in- improve the um, equality, uh, access to information, all the things that are important for for other people in in society. To what do you attribute that? Is you you've got a twenty year uh, view of how this has evolved over the last two decades or so? Is it the younger generation coming into the corporate world who are the ones who are putting their foot down, saying, "I believe that this is important, and therefore I will only work for companies that agree with my view." I hear that a lot, but also from the top management getting uh, new CEOs, for example, this is quite often the discussion with uh, some stakeholders may start like saying, hey, we got a new CEO who really wants to make a change here. So it's it's uh, quite a lot of new generation coming up, understanding this is important, uh, setting goals for the companies. But it's also the whole, uh, I mean, for everybody, people understanding why this makes sense. It's it's really we are part of part of uh, we using everything that we see around us is built uh, on using the natural resources. If you really think about it, sometimes walking in the city, you only see concrete, you see uh, machines, not so much of nature. But even telecommunications, all the materials are really coming from the nature. It's the minerals and metals and all that. So 
really uh, everything we have here is based on the natural resources. So really understanding that fact, I think people start to change their mindset, thinking, okay, we need to be more clever how we use these resources that we have. And what's interesting to me, particularly about what you're doing at Nokia, is that you could have just focused on your factories and your suppliers' factories and that sort of thing, but you're you're using these networks and leveraging the technology to help create a more sustainable uh, environment and, and protect biodiversity by working with organizations I would never have expected, like like non-government organizations. Tell me about the NGO experience. Right, and that's that's the interesting part. Really, is that uh, in order to because we believe that technology really can help to solve these uh, big challenges that we have in the world. Like, how can we use the resources in more efficient way? But we are not in the business of, let's say, protecting oceans. And that's why working with NGOs, we can connect with people who know really what is needed in order to take those actions in the next level. So working with people who really know their business and then help helps us also to develop the, uh, uh, our services, our connectivity offerings for uh, the good of the, um, let's say in this case, ocean protection. So you're working with an NGO that's focused on protecting the sea uh, because this is just sort of part of the larger mandate of your your organization in your specific division to to help make the world a, a better place. Because I, I, I would have assumed you'd want to protect the forests, you'd want to protect the air, uh, but the sea is often the one that gets left out in, in many people's thinking. Right, but this actually sea has a big, uh, big part of the climate change uh, mitigation activities. It absorbs carbon dioxide, similarly as uh, the leaves and the green uh, trees we see around us. So the whole uh, world is working in a balance, and more we seek that balance, more we see quite uh, kind of unexpected outcomes that may not be very pleasant ones. So it's really the big, uh, big balance of different parts of the. Uh, nature that is important. For a listener who recognizes the importance of ESG, but is having difficulty either um, getting the top brass to come on board with this, or just don't know where to begin, what's your takeaway from this conversation today? What should they be walking away from this conversation remembering most? Just do it. Start somewhere. Start today. And like they say, you do something for 60 days, it becomes a habit. And it's really the same. Don't just wait and think, but just start somewhere. And this is this is how you get uh, get you learn from uh, starting from somewhere. Building a future that's productive, sustainable, and inclusive in a world that acts together. Discover how by visiting Nokia.com/thought-leadership.